I'm going to continue on with the thoughts I was sharing this morning from 1 Corinthians 13. And I got to practice some patience because uh, when I went down there to sit by my dad, you know, after the service and saw him before the service, he had a brand new Bible. He had a brand new Bible. He's home resting right now. He had a brand new Bible. I'm like, Dad, where did you get that Bible? I'd seen him over piddling in my area where I keep my Bibles, you know. And I said, Dad, where'd you get that Bible? He said, boy, this is a good Bible. I said, where'd you get that? He said, it was over in that pile over there. So I looked at it, and it's the Bible. When I got ordained, I was given a Bible, you know, for my ordination service kind of thing. And it had my name on it. Well, this Bible, it appeared to have had a name on it, but the name had been marked out with a black magic marker. And I said, Dad, can I see that a second? So I took my Bible and go, that's my Bible. He said, well, congratulations. I bought that for you. So that was great. I got a new old Bible given to me today. Patience, right? Patience. I don't know your circumstance or story or situation tonight, but I bet everybody in here in some situation is needing patience. And here's, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, tonight, you've got a situation in your marriage that you're wanting to be fixed, and you know how to fix it. You want to fix it before the sun sets, but you can't because it's not all on your end. You can't fix other people. You can fix yourself. Some of you have a wayward child. I've been through it. The patience to wait on the Lord when you have an adult child, especially who is wayward, is very challenging. Here's what I found interesting as I was standing here tonight. I was standing over there singing with you, and I thought this. I wonder who out there, I wonder who out because it's easy for all of us in here to think about the person we need to have patience with. I can list them off right now. I wonder who out there would be thinking, I've got to have patience with you. It's likely somebody is glad you're at this service. Because they're thinking, boy, they need that. Because they think that about you. We don't, we, don't, we don't think of patience as people having to have it with us. But as many people as there are in this room tonight, there are someone who wants to have, Jane needs patience with me, I'll tell you that. It's just true. Yesterday we went out paddleboarding. We live on a little pond. They call it a lake. Ain't no lake. It's a pond. It's a glorified pond. And we were on it. We were paddleboarding together. And I'm in front of her and she tells me something. I'm not upset at her at all. But she told me something that was really hard to hear. And I just took my... All I did was take my paddle and went, ooh, and hit the water. Well, every bit of that water sloshed straight up onto her. She needs patience with me. That was not a pretty setting, and the neighbors watched the whole thing unfold. (laughs) People need patience with me. And tonight, I thought what I would do is give you what I call several components of patience. And I want to talk about how we can activate these things in our life. Because it would be foolish of me to say to you, when you leave tonight, you'll have patience. Patience is something that comes over time. Whatever is in you will come out of you. If you're patient inside, the Lord's taught you, and you, you don't respond quickly. You don't fly off the handle. I don't fly off the handle anything like I used to. When I was in my 30s, trouble for everyone because I knew everything. I have a daughter right now, 22, and when she says things, she like we were talking last night about the situation in North Korea. Well, all they need to do is blah, 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 and it'll be fixed. 
Yeah, that's what I was like when I was 20. And now at 56, I go, this is a real issue that's very hard to understand. Well, I know, I know what we need, love. But see, love has to come from in here. You can't make someone love. You can't make someone be patient. If you're a patient person, patience will exude out of you. And I will tell you, from the age of 30 to now 56, I'm way more patient than I used. I know I am, but I still got a long way to go. And one of the things patience requires, one of the things that's a foundation of patience, it'll come up on the screen, I think, is composure. If you're going to be a patient person, you've got to have composure. The definition of composure is this. It is the state of being calm and in control of yourself. I have a son, my oldest son, his name's Alan. You guys, some of you have heard him preach before. That boy is so patient, it's unbelievable. We go do events together. He is 30 years old. He is way more patient than me. Uh, we drive through Chicago. He is so calm. Uh, when you go through Chicago, we went through Chicago a couple weeks ago at 5 o'clock traffic. I dread the city even coming. And Alan's like, this is going to be great, Dad. I'm like, why is it so great? Well, it's just calm. It's slow. You can see the city. We'll just be going about an inch at a time. And I'm like, does that not drive you crazy? No, I look forward to it. I'm like, what's wrong with him? He just has patience. And so when I'm around him, I will say to him, son, I'm your dad. Theoretically, fathers are to teach their children things. But you teach me patience. It's just who God made you to be. You've got it, and I need it. And he'll talk to me about it. In fact, (laughs) when we're in a situation and he sees me keep somewhat control... He will go, boy, Dad, that was really good. And he's way past me. He's making fun of me. But he he really does teach me a lot because in Alan's life, he has incredible composure. And here's what that means. No one else's, I have never seen that boy let somebody else's actions control how he reacts. He just doesn't do it. In our family, we've dealt with some serious crisis, serious crazy things that I hope you guys never go to. I want you to go through. And when we share, break the news to the family. You know, our girls will, oh, they're drama queens. Oh, that's terrible. And Al will just go, huh. And I look around, what are you thinking? I'm thinking this is life. Like, how can you stay there so calm? Well, Dad, what you want to do? I mean, you want me to jump up and down? What's it going to change? Sometimes, Dad, you just got to be patient. Stop. Stop already. (laughs) But he's right. And composure is what he has. And some of us are born with some of that, and some of us aren't. And those of us who aren't need to understand and learn from the people around us who have it. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about a person in your life who has composure. Just think about them. Just get them in your head. I want you to go and talk to them and say to them, tell me what your mind goes through when you're in those situations. How is it you stay so calm? You can learn a lot from them. I remember my, my sister-in-law, her, her dad, is Mr. Nally was his name. And I remember that I went to him one time because he was the most patient man I'd ever seen in my life. He was a pastor. He said very few words other than when he preached. And I remember going up to him one day in the middle of a situation in our family, and he was, he was just sitting very quietly. I went over to him. I said, Mr. Nally, 
I said, uh, Mr. Nally, I, I don't see you saying much here. You don't say a lot, do you? He didn't even speak. He just went. I said, have you always been that way? Did you learn that over time? He still hadn't spoken. He's smiling. He would just smile. I go, so, so are you telling me over time? You know, he knew me and my personality. Are you you're telling me over time I'm going to have to learn to be more this way? He died with a smile on his face. I, I remember the dude, I never saw him rattled. And I remember thinking, I want to be like that, but I don't know if I can. And I understand now, the longer I live, that it just takes composure. And it takes a willingness to grow. You're looking at a dude who in my 30s is an early parent. And I'm not justifying anything because I'm saying it because I'm a real preacher. Y'all know I don't hide anything. Uh, I used to punch holes in the wall. I was a preacher, and I would get so angry at the kids or something. I never touched them. By God's grace, having watched my father be very abusive to me and my mom, I never hit anyone. So if you hit people, you need to get help. But I would just sometimes get mad, and I'd go punch the wall. And I remember I'd learn to putty walls, you know, because the people are coming over, i got to fix that. And I, What's that big spot? Ah, we're hanging a picture there, you know. <laughs> I remember once hanging a picture really low for people to come over one night. Because I just I had no composure, I had no patience, and I re, I remember saying to Jane, I got to get control of this because um, I'm going to end up being just like my father, and I'm not going to have control. And I'm not going to have all the things that I want to have. And we we actually did a little little. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how we worked on this. It's quite embarrassing how it happened. But as I as I you know in my 30s or whatever was doing that kind of thing, I said to Jane, I got I got to stop this. This is silly. And I would just get so upset and so out of control and not, not throwing rat and raving, but I just needed to get it out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Where you just, you're, if those of you who are like me inside, you're just like, I'm going to explode. And the way I exploded was just punch a wall. And I remember saying to Jane, this is what we're going to do. When you see me that way and I'm around you, around the children, I said, what we're going to do is you're going to look at me. So I'm sitting here talking to my teenage son. Or I'm talking to a little kid, whatever it is. When you see me upset, and you see me losing it, and they're escalating, and I'm escalating. I, maybe you guys have heard me say this, but I said to her, I want you to walk up to me, right to my face, and I want you to say, Dan, go to your room. <laughs> I said, because that's going to be so humiliating. And th th it's really what we did, because I said to her, I'm going to use this as a tool to get started, to get control of myself, because I'm not going to rant and rave and punch the wall. I said, it's silly. It's foolish. It's not what Jesus would do. You say, well, Dan, you, you need to get the Holy Spirit in you. Correct. You're right. And I prayed for the Holy Spirit. And I would say, Spirit, fill me. And I'd still go home and punch the room. So I knew I had to change something. Remember that little thing I teach? If nothing changes, nothing changes. So I said to Jane, tell me. So the next situation happened. I'm frustrated. I'm losing it. The kids were, you know, my son was a little older. I remember me and him were going back and forth. And Jane walked up. I'm losing it. And she said, Dan, go to your room. Just like, Dan, go to your room. And I remember the kid going, ooh, like that. That's double mad. It was ridiculous. But I turned and I went, yes, ma'am. I, I just said, yes, ma'am, I will. And I mean, even the kids mocking me. I remember it was hard. I want to go to my room. I wanted to go do two holes in that wall. And I went to my room and I went in there and I prayed. And I prayed the Lord would help me. 
and I prayed that I would act like an adult and not a child. Did y'all hear that? Because if you're the adult in the room, you need to act like it. And I remember, um, it took, I'm not kidding you, it probably took two or three of those moments where she said, Danny, go to your room. It is embarrassing. It's embarrassing when your own child sees you getting corrected like that. And I want you to know, little thing like that helped change me. I began to get composure. I, I, I'm, I'm not tooting my horn, but I, I just don't lose it anymore. You say, what about splashing water? Uh, that, that was different. I, it was just it was something she told me. It was pretty frustrating. It was, I'm not frustrated her, the kids. It's just a moment. But I just don't lose it. And I thank God for that. And I want to say to you, it's because of maturing in the Lord, growing in the Lord, looking at the examples of Jesus, how he handled tough situations, and realizing he had some situations tougher than mine, and he handled them correctly. And I want you to understand, and in an audience this big, somebody in here is losing it. Maybe only two of you, but you're losing it, and you've got to get control. Your children are watching, your spouse is watching, the neighbors probably hear it. And then you say, well, I'm a leader at Res Life. Then you need to act like it. And composure is a key element to you understanding patience. Maybe you go home and say to your spouse, hey, do that thing Dan's wife did. It's embarrassing. Second thing, second component of, of, of patience is this. You need to understand God has called us to live an exemplary life that follows him. We are, we are to be examples of Jesus. I want to tell you a story. The story is recorded. If you want to go there and look at it, you can. It's recorded in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6. The story is this. John the Baptist has been arrested and he is in jail. And... He is being mistreated. Remember John the Baptist preaching before Jesus. And Herod, King Herod, had a wife, Herodias. And if you remember the story, they were having a big party and his wife's daughter came out. Herodias' daughter came out and she started dancing and she danced so beautifully and I got a feeling it was a sex dance. She danced so beautifully that King Herod said, I'll give you anything you want. Because men were stupid back then just like they are now. A woman dancing can make a man go crazy. It's just a fact. And that's what happened. She danced and he said, whatever you want, you can have. And she went to her mom and said, Mom, what do you want? She said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Can you guys believe that? I mean, I want y'all to think tonight what would happen if somebody walked in and bring a head in on a plate. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's craziness. It's ISIS. They lived in the world of ISIS. And so here come the head on the platter. And the king is wishing like crazy he hadn't done that, but it's too late. He was, the Bible says he did it because he would humiliate, humiliate, didn't want to humiliate himself in front of his dinner guests. What kind of dinner guest you got over, buddy? So John the Baptist, who Jesus loved, loved him, 
I'm, I'm going to put the story in perspective, guys. Just imagine tonight that somebody right before I come up here to preach told me, hey, Pastor Dwayne has been beheaded. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but that's what it would have been like. Your good friend has just been killed, literally beheaded. The disciples come and tell Jesus the story, and Jesus, listen, listen. The Bible says that Jesus went by himself to be alone. Of course. If someone told me that tonight about one of my good friends, I'd be like, hey, man, can you just leave me alone a little bit? Now, I'm telling you the story to set it up and, and say, do you know when you struggle most being patient? Do you remember when it is? It's when you're stressed out. You got family stress, you got work stress, you got spouse stress, you, whatever the stress is. You got stress, that's when people say, he is wound tight as a drum. So imagine Jesus has just been told, hey, your dear friend John the Baptist has just been killed. Jesus Suffered great stress just like us because he was human. 100% human, 100% divine. That's why he's Jesus. But he gets this word that his best friend or one of his dear friends has been beheaded. And he says, hey guys, I'm going to go by myself. Come on, let's go by myself. Go with me over here. Let's pray. He gets over there. 5,000 people show up to be healed. Okay, I'm just going to tell you all something about me. When I get the news about something bad happening and I go, hey, I want to be left alone a bit, if all y'all follow me and say, heal me, Dan, touch me, Dan, whatever. I'm not Jesus, but I'm saying in his situation, he would be like, no, get away. And I want y'all to see the story. Jesus said, bring him on in. I'll heal him. I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I'm down, but I'll still serve the people. He healed him. He touched him, lame, walk, blind, seeing. And then his disciple says, well, we're going to feed him. Think of, think of the stress in this moment. And Jesus said, we got him. Get some loaves and fishes. We'll be good. Jesus took time to be patient with at least in the story, because 5,000 was just the men, at least 10,000 people. He's dealing with the loss of his buddy. And he had patience. And I want you just to understand, God calls us, that was the second point, to exemplify him. That's what Jesus did. Dan struggles with patience mostly when I'm stressed out. And Jesus says, and that's the time I want you to grab it even most. So tonight, if you've got a lot on your plate, I, I, I'm giving testimony to the fact that that's my life right now. I've never had as many things on my plate. Some more news that was dropped on me this week is really heavy. I've never had this much personal stress in my life. I have friends who are texting me and calling me going, I don't know what's going on with you, but are you okay? Because they know i got three major things with my dad moving in and two other major things. They're heavy things on me. And I can only give testimony and glory to the Lord. I went home today just for a couple of minutes before we came back to preach tonight. Jane and I went out on the paddleboard and I came in and I pushed up on the little beach area. And she goes, you're doing good. And I said, honey, I, I don't even understand this, but I just, I'm, the Lord's giving me a peace today. I said, I don't even get it. I said, you take me back in my 30s, man, I'd be punching the outside of this wall. <laughs> I said, the Lord's just helping me. And I want to show you how through my own personal life, you're looking at a very flawed dude. And God's given me something because it comes from within, see. 
It comes from the Lord. It's not mine. I can't do that. I can't have peace and patience. And that's why I look at Jesus. He, hey, come on. It had to be tiring. That had to be tiring. And he still was patient because it came from within. And I want in my life more and more to exemplify, exemplify the Lord's behavior and love in my hard spots. I can do it in my easy spots. Tomorrow morning, I'm going golfing. If you said, be patient tomorrow, I can't. I'm golfing. It's more when I'm dealing with my dad. And then another issue. And then another issue. And then somebody wants this. And then somebody wants that. Um, the other day, I went by myself to a blueberry field. I wanted to be alone. So Jane and I went to a blueberry field because I like to pick blueberries. And I go to this place where you can eat while you pick. Oh, <laughs> they made a mistake making that rule. I bought five pounds and I ate ten. And I'm picking blueberries. I'm stressed with all this stuff going on. I'm praying. It's just, I just relax and picking blueberries. And right on the other side, a lady looks through the bush. Oh, you're Dan Seaborn. And I went, seriously, Lord, seriously. Is that a big blueberry? I don't, I don't know. And I remember I was patient with the lady and I afterwards said, Lord, thank you. Because this is a day-by-day thing we've all got to learn. Some of you are dealing with something tonight that it's really, it's worn you out. It's worn you out. Ah, Ken, where are you? I don't know. I, I didn't know where in here we'd stop and pray a minute. We're going to stop here and pray a minute. I'm, I'm just going to do something. I know it's relaxed. Sunday night's relaxed, right? Um... I'm going to take a moment. Ken, can you just come up and play on the keys a minute? Play something soft. Let's take a moment. I don't know what the issue is for you, but I got three big ones. Three big ones. I used to go crazy over one big one. I got three. I guess they're all gifts from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so let's do this. I'm just going to take a minute. If you have an issue, you're a teenager here and you got an issue, you're a grandpa and you got an issue, I don't know, marriage issue, let's take a moment and just come and yield it to the Lord. Again, here, here's what I'd say. I don't know if y'all do this, but I give my problems to the Lord and I seem to grab them right back. So I just say, let's come lay them at the feet of the Lord again and just say, Lord, I need your grace. I need what you had when you fed the 5,000 plus when you were shot and you just lost your best friend. Good grief. I forgot and didn't know that part of the story. So Lord, help me be more like you. Um, Let's just take a moment as Ken plays. You okay over there? (laughs) Let's just take a moment. And if you'd like to come and kneel for a moment, we'll do that. Let's just take a couple of minutes and let's give our burden. Let's give that thing. And let's ask the Lord to help us handle it like he would handle it. So take a moment. You stay in your seat if you want to. If you want to come up here and kneel, do whatever you want to do. You want to walk around, great. Uh, We won't take long, but let's just take a couple of minutes and lay our things. You ready? Lay our things at the feet of Jesus again. You lay yours, I'll lay mine. Let's do it for a couple of minutes. here those of you who are prayer warriors if you want to just come kneel by somebody go for that if they 
We'd love to be prayed for. Maybe just lay your hand on their back and just pray anointing over their life. Pray for them. That would be wonderful. Let's just relax here in the presence of the Lord a moment. Lord, as we're kneeling, some in the front here, others sitting in our seats, one of the things that's true about us as Christians, as believers in you, sometimes we say these prayers, and even in the back of our mind, we find ourselves thinking, well, I don't know if anything's really going to change. But maybe, Lord, the change is our spirit and our attitude toward a situation. I think, Lord, of the times you've humbled me through patient moments I didn't want to go through. I think how you changed my perspective on things. So today, change a perspective. For someone who's viewing something that's coming in their life and they're seeing it as a hard and burdensome thing, help them to see it as an opportunity to maybe be more like you. That's not easy, Lord. That's not the way we think. That's not the way we work. Our life pushes us to a life of ease, luxury. Get that spot on the lake that's really relaxing, then everything will be good. But Lord, it's really more the trying times that have made us who we are. So give us patience in our trials. Because we know that patience and suffering and endurance brings joy unspeakable. Thank you for setting that example. We just covered the point that you exemplified that. Help us to learn from your example. That's why we love you so much is because you were faithful in trials. Help us to do the same. Be the same. Lift some of the burdens in this room through your power and through your grace, Lord. I'm not even praying take the burdens away today, Lord. I, I don't think that's a proper prayer. I think it's lift the burden by helping us trust you more. You know when we need the burden removed. You know when we need freedom from some of the things we face. You know there's seasons in life. And so help us to accept what you give us 
help us to realize it's for our good. If all things work together for good, then that means sometimes my trials are meant for my good. And so I accept it. I don't like it, but I accept it. And I pray all of us in this room, from whatever we're facing, would become more patient. Because you say love is patient. And we want to be more like love. We love you in this moment. In Jesus' name we all said, Amen. Amen. Thank those of you who came to kneel here at the front. Bless you. Bless your lives. Thank you for laying that stuff before the Lord. That's awesome. If it helps any, I love to hear your tears. I love it. Crying out to the Lord. It's beautiful. The next little thing I would say that's a component of patience is number three, to acknowledge things from your past. Go ahead and put those three things up, if you will, guys. And can you leave it up there for just a little bit? There's three things I want you to acknowledge from your past that will affect you. Go ahead and throw those next little things up, if you will. There's family issues. It should be on there. Is it on there? You got it? Yeah, good. Family issues, personal choices, and outside forces. I want to cover each one. Some of us need to understand we struggle with patience because it's genetically built into us from our families. I don't believe in that stuff. Well, I'll tell you this. Your dad and your mom's DNA is in you whether you want it in there or not. Some of us have generational issues, and we just need to acknowledge it and say, Lord, can you help me break that chain? It's just the truth. I can see it more and more as I age. I can see things now looking back, things from my great-grandfather, my grandfather, and my dad. I go, of course, that's in our heritage. And I, I need to acknowledge that, Lord, I need you to help me break even some generational things that have occurred in my family. I want to be the one that breaks that chain. I don't want to pass it on to my children. So be a chain breaker. It's painful. It's hard. But what a blessing you pass on to your children when you do that. There are family issues that many of us are dealing with. That family sitting right next to you does not deal with that issue the same way as you. Same way, does not have it because it's just part of your family's heritage. Acknowledge that. Recognize that. Pray about that. Secondly, um, personal choices. Some of you sitting in here tonight have made some really bad choices in the past. And because of that... um, It's created an impatience even with yourself. You're so frustrated with yourself. You can't even forgive yourself. And it's caused you to be harmful to those around you. Because you've got issues. I sometimes am so happy when I meet someone who I've never met before in my life. And they'll start telling me stuff like that. I'm like, if you hadn't told me, I had no idea. When you walked up to me and introduced yourself to me, as far as I know, you have had the perfect life, not one issue. And they're like, oh, you don't know me. I'm like, right. And I said, that's how Jesus can see you too. Because when you ask him to forgive you, he sees you that way. He doesn't remember. All that stuff is gone from him. He doesn't hold it against you anymore. Understand your personal choices can sometimes create these things inside you that the rest of us don't even know about. So here's what I'd say to that. Stop beating yourself up all the time. If you're God's child, if you ask him to forgive you, stop beating your... You're in a default mode. You just automatically beat yourself up. Try to break that. Try to break that so that you can move forward. Remember what I said, I think, a while back in a sermon. Maybe it wasn't here, but, you know, the front windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror for a reason. You know, look through that front windshield. It's big. Don't spend your life on the rearview mirror. 
outside forces. Uh, probably this is the biggest one I struggle with in my own life. I have some generational things, not so much personal choices, because by God's grace, I made pretty good decisions as a kid and teenager, but I struggle really big time with outside forces. Jane and I, in the past two years, have been through things in our marriage and our family life. We will sometimes look at each other and go, and we didn't pick this. There ain't nothing can fry you more than other people's decisions affecting you. And that's when it's hard to be patient because it's like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to be in on this. I'm free and clear of this decision. But it's still greatly affecting me. It's affecting my life. It's affecting my household. It's affecting how I live. I don't even have the same freedoms I used to have because now I've got to deal with your problems. It's life. It's life. And the outside forces that come against you over your life add up. I was doing a couple's wedding um, two weeks ago, I think, I think it was. When you get married, you have no idea, you know, what you're doing. But, but you get married, and <laughs> you don't have any idea at the difference. Like, if I walked up to them and said, hey, hey, young couple, you're getting married. You guys, what, what are you, 20, 21? That's awesome. I'm so happy for you, et cetera. Let me, let me just fast forward here about 30 years. You're going to have a couple of kids, and they're going to put you through hell on earth. No, they won't. No, you don't know my kids. No, you don't know them either. <laughs> and they're going to make some choices that you're not going to like, and they're going to affect you. Think this through. Just think this through. Because there's plenty of people who look back and go, if I had a do-over... But instead of viewing it that way, see it as these opportunities, as I said earlier, to grow. Jane and I have been married 35 years. We sometimes talk about, oh my goodness, um, we're dealing with a bunch of issues right now that we didn't even pick. We were, we're fine. It's all these other people that seem to be the problem. That's called the outside forces against you. And I tell you, I really believe this. Satan tries to use that stuff to beat you down. I have even told my family. I got them together. I said, family, I want you to understand something. I travel around the country and preach. We're all in this together. Satan is trying to beat the snot out of us. We got to work together. We got to honor the Lord. But they get to go make their decisions. They're adults. They're adults. And I'm telling you, in life, those forces are going to be there. They're going to come against you. And those are the moments, if you stop and think, listen, listen, this is the perfect example. Not one issue Jesus ever faced did he bring on himself. He lived the perfect life. He just walked around helping and touching and healing. Outside forces were at him all the time. And he made it. And you can make it. Happiness is overrated. True joy is found in honoring the Lord no matter what comes your way. And I want to finish my life honoring the Lord Jesus because I believe great rewards, heavenly rewards, will blow anything this world has to offer away. And we've got to remember about 70 years on this earth for eternity. I can do this for 70 years <laughs> if eternity is my reward. 
Keep that perspective. Really hard to do when you live in the everyday world. But understand that these components affect you. Acknowledge them. Talk about Jane and I literally sit. We talk about, hey, babe, you know what? We're dealing with the issue today, but you didn't cause it and I didn't cause it. So let's be careful we don't get at each other on this issue. I'm not mad at you. You're not mad at me. We are being attacked by an outside force. Let's stay together on this. It's very important that you understand where the attacks are coming from. Spiritual attacks, I believe in many times. Pray that the Lord will protect you. The fourth little patient's uh, component is this. There needs to be in you a desire to have a healthy relationship with people. If, you want, if you're going to be patient, you have to understand, you can't be impatient with people and have healthy relationships with them. You can't do it. And in family, I have noticed in about every family, there is one kind of, kind of you, know, you know, I grew up, I grew up in a chicken farm and, and pig farm, like I told you this morning, a lot of, and I remember going in, grandpa would give me the job of the little baby chicks, and there would sometimes be this little pecking chick. And all the other chicks just peck that little chick to death. It was sad. I remember the little kid going, that's not fair. I want to take my grandpa and say, no, just leave him there. There needs to be one. I'm like, why? One of them got to go down. It's a farming thing. I don't know. But I've noticed in family life too. I've noticed in family life, like I think of the friends I have and their extended family. I'm, I'm amazed at how I usually can pick out in the family who the pecking hen is. There's one person everybody just feels like they can put down because that person will just keep taking it. In our family, to be honest with you, Jane can tend to be that way. She's so humble. She's so kind. She's so sweet. And I sometimes see the kids say things to her that are they're mean. And she doesn't attack with meanness. She just won't do it. I'll sometimes say to her, let them hold it a little bit. I can't do that. I'm like, I can't. I'm not the pecking hen in the fam. And I notice that. And I see that one of the reasons I believe Jane sometimes pushes through that, she will say to me, honey, I, I want to keep a good, healthy relationship with everyone. And, and, and she needs to protect herself, yes. But... I think it's important that you recognize who is the person in the family that probably absorbs a lot of that. Surround them and tell them you're sorry and try to change that. I've, I've been talking to my children about this. Mom's not going to be the person that we do this to. She's kept us together. She's prayed for us. She's been the one that wants this family to stay healthy. Let's celebrate her instead of pecking at her. Because her nature is to be able to be pecked. I'll tell Jane, she got like quarter applause for that. <laughs> I remember the Lord teaching me something about this, um, and I know I've shared this with you before, especially at a marriage thing, but um, I stand here and tell you that this is an area I've got to grow impatience in because I can tend to throw those little things out at Jane too and be impatient with her because I know she'll let me. And that's not good. And uh, we had... A bunch of people over a house one time, and, and um, I wash the dishes at the house. It's just kind of one of my deals. I like to wash the dishes, and I'll get them ready. She'll put them in the dishwasher, but I'll wash the pans and stuff. And I'm washing all that stuff, and the sink is uh, like the water I've got in the sink with the soap. The soap's gone, and the water's black. And she just came up behind me and said, hey, honey, would you, uh, would you be willing to switch that water out? And, I, and, and, and people weren't there. They had left, and it was clean. I'm like, babe. I would think that you would be so grateful that you have a husband who washes the dishes. I've only got a couple of pans. Why do you have to just point out the negative? She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I was just saying, the water's black. You're washing, the pans are actually getting dirtier as you wash them. Would you be willing to switch the water? I'm like, no, I don't want to switch the water. I'll just wash them out with cold water. And it got frustrated. And it kind of, it didn't finish good. You know, on the paddle boat, you know. And that next week on Sunday morning, I had to preach at a, at a church and we went out to a family's house afterwards and we were at their house and we finished dinner with all of our children. There's, you know, there's probably 10, 12 of us. And I said, I'll wash dishes. I said, I'll wash them. I'll wash dishes. So I'm in there. I'm washing dishes. I'm going at the dishes. I'm getting them. And Jane and this other lady, her name's Christy, they were working in the kitchen getting everything done. And Christy, Christy, Walked over behind me. I'm at the sink washing dishes. I'm toward the end. Y'all know what's coming. <laughs> and she just walked up and said, Hey, Dan, um, that water is really dirty. Would you mind changing that water? Same thing Janie had said a week before. And I went, Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I mean, all of a sudden, sitting right on this shoulder, Jane's like, What did you say to her? And I said, I told her, no problem. Felt like everybody loves Raymond for a second right there. I'm like, okay. And she said, well, why would you tell her that after you treated me the way you treated me? She got me. And it ain't like I can go, well, the Lord's anointed. No, ain't no excuse for this. And I think that a component of, of patience is realizing, watch this, I need to have a healthier relationship with Jane than I do with Christy. Y'all get that? And I think many of us need to understand that patience builds healthy relationships. I have four little points that goes along with this. Just throw them all up there. I'll read them all at one time. Impatience hinders healthiness. Impatience breeds contempt. Impatience causes anxiety. Impatience brings separation. That right there is why you need to lose impatience in your life because you're harming your family and personal relationships and even friend relationships when you're impatient. That's a component that you need to activate in your home. Remember that you need to set an example of patience with your wife, with your husband, with your children before you even go to the next people. This is hard. This isn't an easy sermon. Patience isn't easy. I can't stand up here and go, this is going to be a piece of cake. It's not. Patience right now with some of the people in my family is very challenging. But I know if I do this the way God would want, it is honoring him and it will win in the long run. I know that. I just have to live that. Patience someday, ladies and gentlemen, is simply a decision. Number five, the next little component of patience that I wrote down is your degree of patience reflects your degree of wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, listen to this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The deeper you are in the Lord, the more patient you will be with people. The maturity of your life will reflect how you handle a situation. You think about that. When you see people who exercise incredible patience, in your mind you think to yourself, wow, I'd, I'd like to be more like that. We love people who are patient. We look up to them. We admire them. Be that person. 
It reflects maturity and wisdom from God. Number six, it also reflects that the Spirit of God is living in you. Do you remember that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience? So when people see it in your life, what they really can say is, wow, you have the fruit tree of Jesus growing out of you. And that is what I want. I want you guys to look at my life when you see me at a distance and you don't even know I'm watching. I want you to go, man, he's the same deal out there as he is up on stage. I want to reflect what I say I believe. And all of us can take this up a notch in our lives. All of us can. It's a choice, but we can all do it. And then number seven, just wrote down seven little thoughts. To have patience, number one, we're going to go through them. Number one, here's what it requires, a desire. Do you, you guys came tonight. You came back on a Sunday night. It's a beautiful evening. Thank you for coming. But I, I just simply want to ask you, do you have the desire to really change and become more patient? I believe that you coming reflects you do. Some of you guys are here because your wife said we're coming to service tonight. You need this. But I realize that for many of us, we came here tonight because we have the desire in our lives. After you have the desire, the second thing you need is this. Come up with the screen. is a commitment. I'm going to leave here tonight, and I am making a decision that I'm going to be more patient. It is a commitment. Lord, help me to be serious about this and to become more patient in my life. I want to do it. It's kind of like when I said I want to stop losing it in front of my children and punching the wall. I'm going to change that, and I'm making a commitment. And the way I'm doing that, Jane, is to ask you to do this for me. Next step. It requires a decision. And I'm going to tell you a decision, watch this, every minute of every day. Especially when you're stressed. Especially when you're stressed. And then finally, you got to be persistent. You got to persevere. Scripture teaches us those who persevere under trial, when they finish that race, they complete it and become more like Jesus. That, that's exactly what we all want, is to be more like. We came to church tonight because we want to be more. I want to be more like Jesus when I go home. I, I measure myself in years. I don't measure myself in minutes or days. And I can tell you, when I was 30, I was not a patient man. And I would tell you, at 56, I'm at least halfway better. And I'd like to think when I get 86, if the Lord gives me that long, I'll be a very patient man. And that comes with maturity and time. I don't want you to leave here tonight and beat yourself up because you're not patient. I want you to leave here tonight and say, Jesus, I recognize where I'm at right now and I recognize I need to take a step toward this and I want you to help me. Because I believe you can do it. It's going to take work. This is not easy. This is not an easy sermon. I did not have. I did not enjoy writing this sermon this week. I, I got these big things dropped on me, and I know they're a test of my patience. And I want to pass the test. I want to finish the race. I want to glorify Jesus. And so I'm challenging you, just like me, to take this stuff to heart. And my prayer is that those of us who have come to this evening service. We'd go out there and practice patience so that the people around us would see Jesus in our lives. That's the bottom line. We want people to see Jesus in our lives. So, 
Simple message, hard to live. All these messages, man, they're so simple, but they're so challenging to live. And I pray the Lord will bless you as you go to live and honor him. Let me pray for you. And Ken, I know you're going to come up and lead us in one final song, but let me close us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. We thank you for your example of patience on the cross, feeding the 5,000, woman at the well, Pharisees and Sadducees, the list goes on and on. You had so much patience. I don't know how you did it, Lord. I really don't know how you did it. Other than you're God and we're not. So help us to leave here today. Give us patience with the circumstances and the situations that are facing us in life. May we learn something through tonight that we can apply in our families, in our homes, in our work. And might our homes be better places as we honor and please you. In Jesus' name we say it. Amen.